word why. What a curious word. The kind of word that can make us cringe, feel defensive, or even distant. But you know, sometimes why is the key. The key that can unlock so much to our lives. Join me as we explore the why with fascinating contributors to the world. Those that entertain us, inform us, teach us about life, and if we're lucky, inspire the next in all of us. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger, and welcome to Headroom, a production of Rainlight and co-produced by Old Soul. Let's go. Well, uh, for those of you that that follow along uh, with my writing or, or my uh, my podcast, you've seen a little bit of a trend recently, which is to include the concept of AI, the topic of AI, in a number of different conversations. Recently interviewed Conrad Wolfram of Wolfram Alpha talking about uh, artificial intelligence and the impact on math education. Uh, and this is such a treat today. Uh, I interviewed our guest uh, a number of years ago in person, and he couldn't have been more generous with his time. And for someone of his stature and accomplishment, uh, he he was a regular guy, which these days I really do appreciate. Hadi Partovi is a tech entrepreneur and investor and CEO of the education nonprofit Code.org. Many of you know Code.org, and if you don't, ask your kids and they're going to say, I know Code.org. <laughs> Had that conversation on the way home from school today with my children. Um, Hadi was born in Tehran, Iran. He grew up during the Iran-Iraq War. At the time, his school did not offer computer science classes, so he taught himself to code at home on a Commodore 64. We're, we're dating ourselves here when we talk about a Commodore 64. I love it, Hadi. Uh, after immigrating to the United States, he spent his summers working as a software engineer to help pay his way through high school and college. Upon graduating from Harvard University with a master's degree in computer science, Hadi pursued a career in technology, starting at Microsoft, where he rose into the executive ranks. He's founded two startups that have been acquired by Microsoft and News Corp, and he now invests and invests and advises other technology startups. In 2013, I can't believe we're at the decade mark here, Hadi. We'll talk about that. You and your twin, Ali, launched the education nonprofit Code.org, which Hadi continues to lead full-time as CEO. Code.org has established computer science classes reaching 30% of U.S. students, created the most broadly used curriculum platform for K-12 computer science, and launched the global Hour of Code movement that's reached hundreds of millions of students spanning every country in the world. Uh, he's been an early advisor or investor in many startups like Facebook, Dropbox, Airbnb, and Uber. Uh, the list goes on and on. We've got a number of announcements I want to chat with you about, Hadi. Uh, let's start with this. Uh, I, this is a podcast, so we won't talk about the visual here, but I'm, two things that have come up and I really want to, my question for you is, are we prepared? I've got a Harvard business review sitting right in front of me that was delivered today to my home and the front cover is reskilling in the age of AI. And then I look online and the other day in the wall street journal, um, MIT physicist, Max Tegmark, he warns that uh, humanity is failing the new technologies challenge, that being AI. So, Hadi, with that as a as a, uh, a preamble to our discussion here, are we prepared for the technology that I, I know and I trust you have a much better grasp on than I do? I won't speak for the audience, but that I do. Now, that's a great question. I assume you're asking, are we prepared for the age of AI and for the yeah. changes that are happening? Uh, I, I would, my brief answer would be no, because the pace of technological change is accelerating. And uh, if anybody thinks things are changing quickly, uh, you buckle up because they're going to be changing faster. In fact, things in technology are changing slower now than they ever will in the future. <laughs> so this will be the year of the slowest amount of change compared to every year that comes from now. We're going to go through accelerating technological change. And when it comes to 
reskilling people, the most critical time to reskill people is in K through 12, which is where we give students and children the skills we expect them to have for, for adulthood and for their life. And the, the biggest area where we're not yet prepared for the age of AI is the school system, because we're spending as a country roughly a trillion dollars a year, and as a planet, $5 trillion a year to educate a billion students to give them the skills to succeed as adults. And if you think about today's kindergarten students who will be graduating in the 2030s, the fact that we're giving them a curriculum that was created over 100 years ago and expecting them to, to be prepared, that is the reason we're not prepared for, for an age of AI. That's the reason why we're going to need to reskill people, because the moment they graduate, they don't have the actual capabilities that employers are looking for. So, Hadi, a number of things you said there. I mean, one, I'm going to go back and listen to this myself when you talked about we're actually, this will be the slowest period of time. I think that needs to set in for for everybody when you hear that, because we're so used to hearing the speed, right, and implying that we are going at breakneck speed, and yet we don't even realize what's coming sort of down the pike. I'm wondering if we sort of turn this on its head, and, and not to go down a rabbit hole here, Hadi, but if we think about education, I'm just wondering about sort of the the the, the value proposition, or or maybe it's better said the fear that we have as educators or those in the education space, which is to say that it feels like for generations, it's been about the pursuit of the answer. The pursuit of the answer is something that we can categorize, we can put on a shelf, we can, we can document, we can grade, we can sort um, and organize results around that. But if we're in a world of AI, and let's just say chat GPT, where the layman might then think, well, the answers are there for us. Well, do we have to tackle that first so that we have an understanding of what AI is, what it isn't, and how we might need to change our own value proposition. Because otherwise, it feels like we're just swimming upstream, not battling the actual technology, but battling our own value within the equation that is teacher-student uh, interaction. So what I'd say is there's multiple goals we're trying to get the school system to teach people. The thing that from I've had so many conversations, everybody agrees that school as part of preparing students, besides just basic reading and writing, should teach them problem-solving, collaboration, critical thinking. And that includes what you call sort of reaching and figuring out the, the answer to problems, figuring out the right answer to a math problem, or, or proving something in a science class. Uh, and often there's a right answer, or in many concepts like social studies, there's multiple answers, but there's a, you know, a, a, a critical debate to be had of multiple points of view. Now, in the traditional school system, in addition to teaching students, or at least trying to teach students how do we think, we also kind of push them to memorize and memorize answers that people before them came up with, or memorizing dates and histories, memorizing names of individual battles and all sorts of wars, the amount of memorization, and then also in math class, rote repetition that happens. That's the part that is really easily replaceable. In fact, most of the dates I memorized in high school, I've forgotten because if I ever need them, I know how to get them using Google or Siri or Alexa. And that's true of almost every adult. Most of the rote repetition I did in math class, repeating multiplication and division, plugging numbers into the quadratic formula, plugging numbers into the Pythagorean theorem to get the same, you know, running the math algorithm, I don't do that anymore, and almost nobody does that anymore because rote repetition is a thing of the past. 
but the critical thinking, the problem solving, the generating insights, reasoning, those things are still relevant. And in fact, AI may look like it has all the answers, but AI doesn't do critical thinking and reasoning yet. And people who use it know that you can easily trick it to give you wrong answers. And so you need human critical thinking on top of it to, to check its work and to, to, to be able to know when the AI is going wrong. But the, but the rote repetition and memorization that we do in our schools, that's basically the curriculum of the past. That's because our school system was designed for the age of the printing press, where all the information is in books, but you need to read those books and memorize it to get that information inside your head for the rest of your life. We don't need that anymore. We have access to information at our fingertips and at voice commands anytime we want it. Uh, and so we need to think about how to focus in on critical thinking, problem solving, collaboration and digital skills with AI as one of the tools for how we learn these things rather than just books. Hadi, how do we create a, a coalition? My fear, if I put my my dad hat on, is that we will make uh, sort of the classic mistake in education, which is, you know, if I'm in one camp, I'm going to focus on what I need to do. You're going to be in your camp and someone over here is going to be doing something else. And then we're going to look in five to seven years and say, you know what, we should have had a conversation at the beginning. You know, I saw recently in 60 Minutes, they had the Google CEO talking about, look, the immediate sort of the immediacy of this or the challenge could be in the workforce, knowledge workers, that AI can replace knowledge workers. And they were talking about the financial industry, architecture, this sort of the list was just building. And I'm just wondering about how do we have a coalition where we can make sure that we have the Hadi Partobis of, you know, and leading educators and those in the career sector sort of get together and say, here's the challenge we have. Here's how we need to support the next generation of worker, employee, entrepreneur, and then sort of work backwards. Because what really sticks with me is when you're talking about the time, that this current time we're in, that this is the slowest it's going to be. Like, this is the planning stage, if anything. And we're losing, I would imagine every day we're losing an opportunity to get closer and closer to understanding the technology and the implications it has or will have on our lives. Um, yeah, in terms of the speed, literally every week there's brand new things being announced in the world of AI. And I live in that world. So I'm, <laughs> I'm reading these announcements and each week I'm like, how do we, what's the new way we pivot how we think <laughs> and what this came out? Uh, but in terms of a coalition, that is most relevant in education. And the reason I say that is uh, we need to change not only how we teach, but what we teach. It's easy for different schools to creatively say, oh, I'm going to teach math differently, or I'm going to teach English differently. But we're all tested the same way, so schools can experiment with different teaching methods. But what we really need is to question the teaching objectives. What is it that students even need to learn? We need to remove some of the old stuff that nobody really cares about and add some new learning objectives. That's hard to do for an individual school. A school can't say, you know, we're going to uh, do less long division and less multiplication. We're going to still teach those things, but we're not going to have weeks and weeks of them. But instead, we're going to test these other things. Or we'll, we'll still have students learn to write essays, but we're going to grade them on how well they can write using AI. An individual school can't make that change because they have to worry about national or state standards of education and exams and, and graduation requirements. So we really need education leaders globally to come together along with technologists to think about what's the future going to hold in terms of the workforce needs and where technology is going and how should the education system adapt 
to prepare for the skills of the future. And in fact, Code.org recently announced a slew of partners forming exactly such a coalition. The group is called Teach AI, and it's a coalition that's spearheaded by four different or five different nonprofits at the intersection of technology and education. So Code.org, Khan Academy, the International Society of Technology Educators, the Education Testing Service, and the World Economic Forum have put together this coalition effort. But uh, almost half the state departments of education in the United States and about 20 other ministries of education globally are participating, as well as Microsoft or Amazon or OpenAI, the actual tech companies creating these uh, AI tools to all come together to talk about changing the goalposts of education, uh, reducing some of the curriculum of the past, focusing in problem solving, collaboration, critical thinking, and digital skills using AI, and to make sure that the schools of the future teach with AI and also teach about AI as one of the key skills that students are going to need to be prepared for for the future. Hadi, before we talk about professional development and or the sort of the, the skilling up of educators to understand this new world that we are embarking on, I'm curious about sort of an audit or an assessment on sort of our, can we create a baseline? And I know that may be hard when we're talking about different countries, but maybe per how do we understand where we are, what the gaps are, so that then we understand the professional development and those educational opportunities for teachers to be able to dive in because they're already at a disadvantage with young people who are, you know, this, this, this is comfortable for them. These digital natives, this is sort of the next gen for them. Um, they go in sort of, I think, smiling and, and, and with anticipation where our generation is a little bit more reticent, I would imagine. I love how you put that because I think many adults have a lot more fear of AI than kids do. And when it comes to reskilling, I don't think there's a single eight-year-old who's worried about being reskilled in <laughs> AI or figuring out how to use it. It's you've talked okay. to my daughter, Hadi. She, she's not she's not terrified, and she's eight. <laughs> yeah, none of the kids are terrified. They live in a world of technology. They love technology. Adults are scared of technology. They're scared of things moving fast. Uh, and you know, part of the change we need is questioning what are the things in school that we're forcing kids to do. And we were forced to do it ourselves when we were younger that really don't matter, that aren't going to make a difference in anybody's actual daily life. Uh, if we remove those things, I think we can improve a lot of the stress on children, the mental health crisis, just a, a lot of the angst in the education system is about force feeding knowledge and memorization that nobody's really benefiting from. When it comes to teaching the AI skills, a lot of them are actually going to be easier for the kids to adapt to. Uh, and many, many kids are already using AI in their schoolwork far ahead of their teachers. Uh, surveys show that among teenagers, roughly half of teenagers plan to use AI this school year to do their homework. Uh, and every school teacher should be aware of that. It, it just means homework needs to change because for half the kids, AI is doing the homework for them, which is great for the kids in terms of their learning some AI skills and tech skills but it kind of should make us question the point of the homework in the first place. Yeah, a scary proposition for parents across the country and, and, and world. Uh, what about colleges of education? So I think the cynic might say that's an area that we have, that's been unattended, left unattended for quite some time in sort of trying to catch up what the reality is in the classroom, whether we're talking about talent retention at the teacher level and where they still go into something else, maybe, you know, in ed tech, 
Uh, but there's this gap between sort of what we're teaching them, a classroom looks like, feels like, and how to interact with it, and then what it looks like in real time. And I'm wondering when we talk about a partnership or coalitions, to your point, with, you know, ETS, ISTE, you know, CON, all the World Economic Forum, where are we with colleges of education so that they are on board? Because it feels like if they're not there as sort of excited and willing to participate as all of you, we're going to run the risk that we'll, we're going to be lapped real quickly. Yep. So the colleges of education, the universities that prepare future teachers in general, answer to the question of how, how are teachers certified? And their job is to produce effectively and to educate certified teachers. And I am certain that we're going to be in a world where in a few years to be a teacher, to be certified as a teacher, you're going to need to have some digital skills, AI skills, and some basic knowledge of how AI and technology works. Some basic computer science and AI knowledge is increasingly going to be required to do the teaching job because education has, has been becoming more and more digital, more and more technical. Uh, both how we teach and what we teach is going to be more digital if you think five or 10 years into the future. And so the teachers of the future are going to need to, to be on the leading edge of, of learning how to use technology, but also to how to understand and create technology to become digital natives themselves. Uh, the good news is most of the people in these colleges of education are 19, 20 years old, they're not scared. It's the it's the adults that are older, the, the actual systems, uh, changing the systems is the hard part. The students themselves are completely down for it. Headroom is produced by Old Soul, a one-stop marketing agency that understands the power of brand and nuance. Reach out to my guy, Matt, at Old Soul and supercharge your brand and content strategy. That's Old Soul. Shoot Matt a note at aoldsoul.com. That's a oldsoul.com. And now back to our guest. Is there a silver lining or is there a sort of a, you know, the other side of the coin on this that could be an opportunity from a marketing perspective, which sounds very sort of surface level. But what I mean is in attracting the next generation of educator, maybe that nine, 10, 11, 12 year old kid that says, wait a minute, look how exciting education is. Maybe I want to get into that, like integrating in technology in a real time progressive manner I think it'd be pretty exciting. And when's the last time, you know, prospective educators said, well, I'm going into a field because it's that exciting. They've got healthcare. They've got all these other areas, technology itself. Um, I'm just wondering if there's an opportunity to really sort of put out there in real time, look how exciting education is going to be because we're integrating in exactly what you have at home and more. Yeah. You know, education has been a tough profession, especially in the last few years with the pandemic and all the sort of stresses and politics in education. But as I think about the future and how AI is going to change things, I'm extremely optimistic in terms of how it's going to improve the lives of teachers. Uh, first of all, most teachers have so much busy work outside the classroom. You know, parents think of them as, oh, they're, they're teaching my kids. But a lot of their time is spent just on lesson prep, grading homework, and busy work that's not in the class and not with your children. Uh, and AI is going to reduce a lot of that work to make the, to give the teacher more free time they can spend with kids. AI will also assist in the teaching. Students will be able to have a personal tutor or an AI assistant that helps them with learning. And what this means is the role of the teacher is less and less about being the content expert that delivers the knowledge 
to all the kids who are writing notes. And the role of the teacher is going to be more the coach, the facilitator, the role model, the person who motivates the kids and explains them tough topics if the AI didn't do a good enough job of explaining it. And that's a much more human role. It's a much more, um, it's a much more, you know, interactive role. And in many cases, one-on-one -on -one role for teachers to play. Uh, and I think the job of the teacher as a result is going to become much more fulfilling, less busy work, more one-on-one -on -one time with kids having real impact in kids' lives uh, while the AI does the work of, you know, just, you know, the, effectively the busy work of grading papers or, the heavy or repeating. Yeah, it, yeah. It, you speak to that coaching model. It's it's why kids gravitate towards athletics and that relationship they have with a coach and what that does to be sort of inspired and, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, but also a part of a team. We see even coaching within the teaching ranks and how that has had a really positive impact on educators and their personal uh, and professional growth. Given your work uh, with Code.org, uh, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about curriculum. One about, I know you've got um, how AI works. We've got, you know, AI 101 for teachers. Um, I guess my, my question is one, I want to learn a little bit about those offerings, but also how do we, how do we get ourselves to a point where we can ask really thoughtful questions about the curriculum and the opportunities for learning within this space so that we are coming, coming to the conversation as an informed learner and or educator. Um, because I think that's probably half the battle is that I would need to be able to discern uh, sort of what I'm being presented with and how that then applies within my classroom, my studies, my work environment. And when that starts to happen, I'm probably going to ask more questions and better questions to continue to push the Hadi Partovis and other, others to create, continue to create curriculum that has meaning and impact. Um, that's a good question. So in terms of what we've recently announced, uh, it's just the start, I would say, of a year worth of efforts at code.org to move curriculum forward in a world of AI. Uh, the, the two things we recently announced, one is AI 101 for teachers. This was also created in partnership with Khan Academy and the International Society of Tech Educators, ISTE uh, and ETS. And we, we did this because 97% of teachers say they want some training on what to do about AI in their classroom. And only 3% have had any form of training. Uh, and so AI 101 for Teachers is a free, online, self-paced, five-hour course that any teacher can take to start basically learning about how to integrate AI into their classroom. And I think of the two or three million teachers in the United States, every single one of them can benefit from taking this course as they think about planning for, for this school year and beyond. Uh, but beyond preparing the teachers at the basic foundational level, and this is just a basic training Every student and also teachers, I believe, needs to learn not only how to use AI, but high level information about how AI works. Uh, you know, we all know how the digestive system works. We know how light bulbs work. We, we know how red blood cells carry oxygen or photosynthesis. We learn these things in school, even if we're not botanists or surgeons or electricians. Similarly, learning how AI works is part of the sort of understanding that everybody needs to have. So you, so it's not just treated as this weird black magic that only a handful of people understand. Uh, and so we released a, a video series and lesson plans around how AI works. Uh, for example, a seven minute video 
featuring the chief technology officer of OpenAI, and she does an amazing job of explaining how ChatGPT works in just seven minutes. Uh, you know, I posted that video to my LinkedIn, and in just a week, it's had one million views of people. One million views. Yeah, it's the most viral thing I've ever posted on social media was a seven minute long video explaining how ChatGPT works. People want to know this stuff because they they think this AI is just magic. And it's not magic. It's relatively simple math using statistics and probabilities applied to a very, very large base of human generated knowledge. Uh, but it's it's worth understanding how AI works. It gives people a deeper appreciation for what it can do, what it can't do, what are the risks, where it's going to make mistakes, the, the bias issues and safety issues. Because I think right now, a lot of the worries are just fear. I don't know what it is. I'm scared of it. Whereas if you know what it is and learn how it works, then you can have the appropriate fears for the shortcomings that you understood and not have, you know, high drama fears of just this, this power of magic is being unleashed. You know, it's it's not quite so scary, but we do need an understanding of how it works. And so we're very proud of these videos and lesson plans we put out. I almost equated Hadi to, as you were talking, I was thinking, it's almost like welcoming in a family member, a new family member um, into your home that's now going to live with you permanently. And it's going to change things subtly, sometimes not so subtly. Maybe you have to move your spot at dinner or, you, you know, like there are going to be these things that will change our lives. And yet there will be some things that I think intimidate people. It's like I watched with sort of great reverence for the, on Netflix, there's this series called Unknown, um, a documentary series. And one is called Killer Robots, which of course the title does not help, but it's AI. If you haven't seen it, I'd recommend, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are, but it's AI in the military and what they're already doing. This is not just sort of science fiction. I, you know, you sit back just as a citizen and you say, wow, this is a different day. Like, you know, waking up tomorrow is different because of the capabilities that are out there. And, you know, I say that um, as a bit of pretext to ask you this. I want to pivot sort of to you and your role in this conversation as a leader in this space. Can I quickly say something first before you say that? Yeah. Which is, I agree strongly about this sort of analogy of welcoming a new member into your household and things are really different. But I would also say this is a story that has played out through human history. You know, the, the automobile the television, the smartphone, before these things existed, we had very different households and daily uh, you know, activity patterns. And we've all come to terms with a completely new thing that plays a major role in our lives. The smartphone being a pretty big one of those. If, if you told anybody, I'm taking that away from you, they'd be like, no, 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 <laughs> don't take it. And that's how we're gonna feel about AI in maybe five, 10 years. You'd be like, no way can you take that away from me because it saves me so much time that I save because it does stuff for me that was the busy work that I didn't realize I, I could just have somebody do for me. Uh, so I'm very excited about that opportunity. And, but I also think that's a, it's not a brand new story we've never heard, but the level of types of life impacts are going to be much broader than people think. Yeah. I mean, to continue on that analogy, I'm a Seinfeld fan. As you said that, I completely agree. I'm glad that you interjected your your, your uh, belief in that or your thought around that is that it's sort of like a Seinfeld where Judge Reinfeld, um, he, the actor, come, he's like the close talker. It's like, yeah, we had the cell phone and the smartphone, but AI is like right in our face. And it's probably going to be a part of almost 
I don't know an area of life that it will not be a part of um, on sort of a regular basis. So I want to get to where you, your role, Hadi, and the sense of responsibility. I mean, I'm just thinking back to even when we sat down here in Nashville for an on-camera interview, how much has changed. And you are you were already an ambassador, at least I'll say that. Um, you're an incredibly humble guy. I just wonder how you are feeling about sort of your contribution. I mean, I go back to when you shared with me and correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm off on the story, but when you, as you and your brother growing up, it's like you would hear the bombings going, you'd be on the rooftop and you'd have to sort of hunker down and, and run inside. And I think back to that grittiness that only a, a, a small number of people can even, I think, understand because they've been through it. I have not. Um, that grittiness is now something that I would think you lean into when you've got such a responsibility. Well, somebody has to take the torch or a collection of people do to help us usher us into this new age where it's not just sort of a nice to have. This is going to have severe and significant and hopefully better uh, outcomes for us just as human beings, our species and what we can do in healthcare and all kinds of things. And I'm just curious as to how this arc has changed for you uh, as an ambassador, as a voice that people turn to and trust and is it something that weighs heavy on you or is it sort of a battle between that heaviness and just the sheer excitement of what is to come? Um, that's a really deep question. First of all, thank you for the kind words uh, and uh, and for talking about effectively what I would say is my sense of responsibility. Uh, I've been for now 10 years talking about the importance of teaching computer science as part of the curriculum and the importance of making sure everybody as they grow up learns not only how to use technology, but how to create technology and how to understand technology. Uh, and I've, I've been talking about that long before the, you know, this outbreak of chat GPT or the most recent AI uh, technologies, because all the digital technologies that are coming out are changing our world. And yet our school system is not adapting to that change. And uh, I've felt for all the last 10 years, a sense of responsibility of helping move the globe's education system to adapt to the most important skill that students are going to need to learn in the coming decades, which is the skill of adapting to technological innovation. Uh, and in this time of the changes that are happening with AI, uh, I have the good fortune that I now have one foot in the tech world and one foot in the education world. You know, I grew up working at companies like Microsoft, advising companies like Facebook or Dropbox. Uh, and and investing in entrepreneurs. And at the same time, I've spent the last 10 years uh, running an education movement, building a platform that, that has reached tens of millions of students, actually preparing 100,000 new computer science teachers. And so I think I have a bit of uh, trust and uh, legitimacy in both sides. So I, I feel a responsibility of helping in this transition uh, in terms of making both the technologists recognize that there's something that needs to change in education and technologists should play a role and helping educators recognize that this tech stuff, first of all, it's here to stay. It's not something you can stop, but it's not as scary as you think. And in fact, the people creating the technology, they are humans just like us. And instead of fearing the technology, let's all learn how it works. And so then we can all be creators of technology. The, the desire to create is a core human desire. It's from the moment a child is born, it starts playing with its world to see what can it do to things and how can it change things and make new things. You know, when you jump in a puddle, 
It's because you create ripples and you want to see the ripples that you created. Uh, and so the ability to create is something everybody loves. And if we can teach everybody not only how to use technology, but how to create technology, it will dissipate this fear of technology because we will all be the creators. Uh, and I think democ democratizing that superpower is one of the most important things education can do. Let, let's let's put a wrapper on this uh, with this question. I'm, I, I can't believe I just thought of this. I'm, I would have been mad at myself, Adi, is that if I think back, the Commodore 64 one, that's just such a, a visual for me. Um, and when I think about sort of our generations and, and, and what those units and things sort of represented to us as young people, when I think about what it might have been like, because I don't have a brain, I, my mind is very different than yours. Um, and that's great, right? We all, I think, have our, our skills and our talents. Um, I'm so curious how a how AI, uh, if it had been sort of where it is now, back when you were on the Commodore 64, what's the impact on a young Hadi Partovi and sort of the learning activities, the path, sort of the the itch that was scratched or not? Because back then you were truly an explorer. At least that's what I would imagine, right? We we didn't know what we didn't know, but there were just enough thing, enough elements that were tantalizing that we could sort of dive into. And people did that. They did that in their, their garages uh, and developed amazing things. Talk about Microsoft and Bill Gates, all these sorts of things. Um, and this is very different now. So I'm just wondering how AI might have impacted you when you were eight or 10, when you thought about what learning was and the things that sort of kept you not up at night as a young kid. How would it have changed you? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, we're, you know, this is on a podcast, but I wanted to share something with you because since you asked about the Commodore 64, I actually, where I work in my office, I have right with me an actual Commodore 64. <laughs> I can here. vouch everybody. I'm looking at <laughs> next to these very thick keys that you can oh. click. It's this big bulky thing, uh, but it's, it's right next to me as a reminder of, uh, you know, where I had my start in technology. Uh, and believe it or not, this old 40-year-old computer still works. And I even still have the floppy disks of the code <laughs> that I created when I was 11 years old living in Iran. And the code still runs. So still I can, runs. Yeah, it's unbelievable putting in and running a program that I wrote, you know, 38, 39 years ago, 40 <laughs> years ago in a different continent. Uh, but, you know, a student of age 10 or 11 living in a very high stress environment. I grew up during a war and revolution, but there's students all over the world that worry about poverty or not having both of their parents, food insecurity, all sorts of issues like that. And for most kids, they don't see a pathway out. One of the things that AI is going to do is as long as you have a device with an internet connection, it's going to be a great equalizer, much like the internet is, but even more so because there's so many new skills you can learn without, you know, if you don't have access to a high to the high quality teachers that so many schools offer, lots of parts of the world don't have good teachers. Many schools just don't have teachers, period. Uh, there's there's hundreds of millions of kids in refugee camps that, that go without schooling. Uh, access to AI means you can have access to a, a, you know, basic tutor that can teach you stuff. You can ask it questions. You can pursue your passions. If you want to create things, whether it's writing essays, creating art, creating apps, writing code, all of those things, you could do them faster with AI. Uh, and, and those skills, 
Right now, the, the best way to learn them is just trial and error. There's no school that teaching those skills. So if you get access, if Hadi Partovi of, of, of 40 years ago had access before other kids did, trial and error, they can get the skills that are the most valued right now in the workplace just by playing with it. I love that. If anything, it just makes me think things would have been accelerated, right? You would have been excited as a youth. You, that whole notion of a desire to create is really a human trait. Uh, Hadi, I want to make sure people, there were a lot of announcements uh, coming out this week. You can go learn more at teachai.org. I'm just going to go through the list here. We've got, uh, you can go to code.org. Of course, a fantastic resource that so many go to. Um, but if you can go, you can go on code.org to check out AI 101 for teachers. Uh, we also have uh, on how AI works. You can also find that at code.org. Uh, any any place else they should go other than your LinkedIn page to watch a seven-minute video for the uh, <laughs> the uh, the answer to all things AI. If you go to code.org, it's, it's not hard to find our How AI Works uh, video series, which includes that seven-minute video and many other uh, great videos that explain how AI works, as well as lesson plans for students. So there's there's a whole series of videos each of them paired with lesson plans for teachers to basically introduce AI into their classroom, including explaining it at the, at the same level. We all understand the digestive system or or the photosynthesis or basic other concepts like that. Well, I, this sounds very uh, sort of rudimentary, but keep being you. I, I can't, you know, that's probably been maybe five years since our last conversation. And you're still the same guy, even though the success uh, continues to just sort of not just inch up, right? Um, it's it's unbelievable, but it's to the betterment. We all benefit from it. So uh, I appreciate and salute your curiosity. It's something that I hope we can continue to cultivate in our young people. Continued success. Uh, please check out code.org. It's a wealth of resources and pay attention to what Hadi and everybody is doing. Fantastic coalition. Uh, it's the betterment, not only of our communities, but our schools and the young people that will eventually take care of of you and I, Adi, uh, even when the Commodore 64 may be uh, not working as it still is. That is an incredible story. But once again, we want to thank Hadi Partovi. He's the CEO of Code.org. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger. Thanks for taking the plunge into Headroom, where we uncover the why behind the what and who impacting our lives. Headroom is a production of Rainlight and co-produced by our friends at Old Soul. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger, and this is Headroom. Headroom.